quarter, the double cheese and sausage. Right here, dude. Hallucinating here. Just what in the hell do you think you're doing? Learning about Cuba, having some food. Mr. Spicoli, you're on dangerous ground here. You're causing a major disturbance on my time. You know, I've been thinking about this, Mr. Han. If I'm here and you're here, doesn't that make it our time? <laughs> certainly there's nothing wrong with a little feast on our time. You're absolutely right, Mr. Spicoli. It is our time. Yours, mine, and everyone else's in this room. But it is my class. Hamilton, Brandt, Kornfeld, up front. Mr. Spicoli has been kind enough to bring us a snack. Be my guest. Help yourselves. Get a good one. Hi, I'm Tony Sherwood, and I'm talking to Jay Scott on the Hook Podcast. Tell me, baby. Well, what do you want? Let's head down there to the water, honey, and do the things that we both want to. Oh, now, child, I'll oh, take me down there, low to the river side. Holding on to the dark, I've been holding on to tired, and now I'm watching your red tail lights disappear over the hill. everybody what's going on it's another day it's another podcast episode for the hook rocks the ultimate rock community podcast i'm your host jay scott hope you're staying safe staying healthy warming up it's springtime leaves are starting to grow grass is starting to grow it is uh the weather the bad weather i think is behind us although sometimes here in chicago we get a false sense of spring where it warms up for like a week and then we get like snow first week of April, so we're supposed to get some light snow here on um, on Friday when this is being recorded, which is I think the twenty sixth of March. So hopefully that's the end of it, and then we can uh, we can move forward and finally enjoy some good weather and get out and about. Because I know, as I've always said, you know the COVID thing is still out there. The numbers are getting better. I think there's light at the end of the tunnel. Hopefully we don't go backwards. Hopefully we continue forward so we're able to go see some live rock shows this spring, summer, and fall. I haven't been to a show in, gosh, it's been a year and a half, but uh, I'm itching to go. So, But as always, we are the escape that you need. We do music interviews, music commentary. We talk about music three, four times a week, and I'm just happy that you have tuned in to listen uh, to this episode because we have another great guest, another great new artist from Texas. We have Mr. Justin Ross. What's going on, man? How are you? Man, things are good. How are you doing, bud? I'm doing good, man. You know, things are, are improving. You know, every time I look at the news, you know, it seems like, you know, the numbers are getting better and all that stuff, and there's starting to be shows booked, and hopefully it continues, man. Fingers are crossed. I hope it's not too early, but, um, you know, nonetheless, I think there is some positivity out there finally. Absolutely, yeah. They, uh, in fact, I, I heard today out in Dallas that they uh, they shut down two of the COVID units because the numbers have decreased so much down here, um, and so that was a little shocking. But I was like, well, you know, it, it, it feels like there's a there is sunlight at the end of this thing. So uh, I'm I'm excited. 
I'm real excited. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Everybody is. Yeah, no, I, to get back to some normalcy and to get back to what we all love to do, which is socialize with each other, go to ball games, go to football games, go to concerts, whatever. Um, you know, I hope that uh, is, is the norm again here in the next couple of months, few months. But time will tell, yeah. right? Yes, it will. That, yeah, that it will. Well, we always yeah. start the uh, the podcast the same way every time we have a new guest, and it is the essence of the show. Just like every rock song has a hook that sucks you in, every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, an album, a band, or performance that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you? Oh, my gosh. Uh, well, I started playing when I was six. Um, man, I got... Uh, my mom was a, uh, a blues gospel singer and, uh, my dad was a blues rock and roll player from Kansas city. And so, uh, uh, I was stuck right in the middle between two families of music and it's kind of like one of those things where uh, if you don't pick up an instrument and do something, you are going to be the outcast kind of deal. And, uh, so I, I chose guitar and, uh, and then I fell in love with, uh, with blues rock and roll just down in the, I can remember my, uh, my grandfather in their basement in Kansas city just had a slew of old records, muddy waters, BB King, you know, Clapton, just a ton of stuff down there. And as a child, I was going out there and listening to these records and was just like, man, I want to do that. And that was where it all stemmed from I think when I had already started playing guitar but then that was where I was just like oh my god and then of course when I came across bands like you know Zeppelin etc I was just like oh what is this you know and uh, that was my Disneyland I guess as a child was going through all these records and stuff and and, uh, and then just spawned you know trials and tribulations of playing in bands and what it is to play in a band and how to do it and and man, it's just been a, it's been a crazy ride ever since 39, 39 now. So, uh, there's no, there's no turning back at this point. <laughs> so. You know, rock and roll gets into your soul, you know? And I, I think more so than, than any other music, like once it grabs you, it never lets go. You may wander off a little bit and you may go and listen to, some other things as you're growing as a person, as you're doing things in life, but you always come back to it. Always. Always. Absolutely. Uh, I, I can definitely vouch for that. Um, you know, for a while there, I was trying new things and, and playing different styles of music and getting involved in different styles of music. And at the end of the day, you know, after years of just experimenting with everything, at the end of the day, just a good old three-piece rock and roll band was where I called home. And I can't escape it. That's, that's what I do. That's what I love doing. Um, you know, it makes you really happy on stage. The guys I play with are, are phenomenal. And, uh, you know, you would think down here that you would see it all over the place, but you really don't. You know, uh, you have a lot of singer-songwriters. Uh, you have a lot of country music. Um, now you do have your hip hop groups and you know stuff like that, and you have your metal metal market that's out here, but you don't see a really true to the roots you know southern rock band hardly anymore. You used to, and uh, but you really don't see it anymore. And uh, so for this record coming out, I thought you know all through COVID we kind of swim with the river instead of against it and use the time. Started, uh, started laying these songs down and, you know, taking the influences, uh, you know, uh, Huey Lewis in the News kind of feel to Stevie Ray Vaughan, Azizi Top, Delbert McClinton, Bonnie Raitt, you know, um, Derek Trucks, take, taking that, that vibe and, and putting it into something new and, you know, not trying to reinvent the wheel, just having a good time. And it's been an absolute blast putting this record together. You you mentioned the blues as being a very early influence for you. And, yeah. you know, b- me growing up in Chicago, I've mentioned this a lot here on the show about how 
you know, you're hearing the blues in the womb when you're in Chicago, right? And and you yeah. you're developing as a young kid. I mean, rock and roll was like the first was the first distinct music that I fell in love with. But the blues was always in the background for me, right? In at family parties, at barbecues, whether it was Otis Rush or Magic Sam or yeah. you know, Buddy Guy, you name it, oh, you know, it was, it was always yeah. it was always around in Chicago. I mean, I remember being five years old, five or six, and in, in watching the Blues Brothers um, you know, for the first <laughs> yeah. time, and that was really yeah. my introduction to the blues because all those great blues players that are in that band, in that album, or on that in that movie, and you know that was a gateway. And then, of course, later on, when I went into like a blues rock thing after I got discovered, you know, I discovered Journey and Van Halen and all that stuff. Then I started to get into the Zeppelins and the Purples and all that stuff and and um you know it, it's such a magical simple music right the blues and right. and it, it's you know anyone who always my son does this now cuz he's 16 and i and i i forgive him for it because of his youth but he always says all blues sounds the same and i go you haven't heard the blues yet you yeah, heard it. I, I, I said the same thing when I was little, and my dad goes, "You're not because you're listening to it. You're not you're not hearing it." Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I never knew what that meant until you know later on, and I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I sure wasn't." I mean, there's a different approach, you know, from every every standpoint, right? I mean, they may play the same songs or sing about the same things, but the blues always comes from within and each artist who's playing and singing the song has their own blues, right? They got their own blues that they're singing about or they're feeling and they hit the strings differently. They, they sing it a little differently and it's all different. I can tell, you know, different players because I've been listening to it long enough, you know, but I guess as a kid, it does until you really understand it until you really know where it's coming from you right. do think that it all sounds the same. Sure. Sure. Well, and I think, you know, to the guitar player side of it was the wow factor for me. You know, I, I'll never forget being a kid and watching, uh, you know, Stevie Ray at, at, at Austin city limits and watching him run a fretboard with one hand and how just incredible that was the first time I saw it. And I was just like, Oh my God. You know, now it's like, drinking water to do that but back then you know that was you know i'm just i I remember like hitting rewind on the vcr over and over in fact i still have that tape we taped it off of light you know tv and there's a burn mark on several spots of that entire show where the tape is just beat the hell from me rewinding it over and over and over and over again to watch the watch his hands, you know, and, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty incredible, man. Um, but it's also incredible to see, you know, there's a lot of bands out today, uh, Blackberry Smoke, um, you know, uh, Whiskey Myers from around here, you know, to see how they're incorporating the, the rock side into blues and, and vice versa. And I'm a huge fan of that. Um, a, a bigger band, uh, Shaman's Harvest, you know, there's another one, um, lots of blues influence in that, but they're hard rock and it's just, it's so good. And I think, you know, for a long time there, you weren't seeing the singer songwriter combined with the lead player. You know, you would see a singer, a singer songwriter write songs but he always had, you know, he would find the best lead player he could. And it was rare that you would find both in one person. You know, they were either one or the other. They were a good writer or they were a good guitar player. You didn't have both. And so that's what I wanted to try and, and do in my career was be, a, you know, a good lead player and uh, a good rhythm player and, and uh, you know, a good writer. And so... Um, that's how, you know, down here, that's hard to find. I would love to come. I mean, I've dreamt about coming to Chicago and playing, you know, for peanuts. I don't care what it's for just to be able to get up there and play. Um, but you know, I have not had that chance yet. And hopefully, 
hopefully we will in the next year or two, you know. So uh, I get so I still get excited when I when I'm you know I go into my son's room because he plays guitar and I go listen to Buddy Guy listen to this and I'm yeah. like I'm like no one bends a string like that nobody bends a string like Buddy Guy you know yeah and, and uh, yeah. you know I just get excited about that stuff and then you know we just had the Grammys here what was it last weekend or the weekend before and yeah. you know the Rock yeah. Award gets given out you know to the Strokes and their their quote is that we don't need any more blues rock, and it's like what what are you talking about? You know, like like what? yeah, you wouldn't be you wouldn't be where you're at without it. Well, to say you don't need any more, right, is to say I'm cutting off everybody from the future of knowing what real music is, right? In that genre, that's that's ridiculous. Well, it also you know? it also is, you know, we talk a lot about the rock relevancy or, or the irrelevancy that rock has suffered under the last couple of decades, right? It's taken a backseat. It's not, you know, I mean, you know, rock is not dead. It's never going to die, but it is, it's having a problem becoming or staying relevant. And, you know, when I hear quotes like this, when I read quotes like this, I say to myself, the reason why rock is struggling is because everyone is trying to redefine it. Everyone is trying to say this is rock. This is rock. Now this is the new rock. Where it's no right. rock is what it is at its core. It's it's <laughs> it's blues based music. And if we celebrate mm-hmm. more of that, rock will become relevant again. Instead of trying to run away from it, instead of trying to think that blues rock is some dirty word, it's not. I mean, you know, you look at some of the bands that are coming through, some of the new bands, a lot of it is blues-based, you know? I mean, I know Dirty Honey has yeah. a new album coming out in a couple of weeks, and they're ready to jump through the stratosphere. You look at the last ACDC album that was released in November, and that just resonated with everybody across the globe, all types of people, different generations. So don't tell me that blues rock needs to go away. I mean, that's just... Yeah, you know, no way. It's just... No, no. No, no way in hell. Yeah. Yeah, I, I hear people. You know, I've, I've been in this conversation before where we've talked about similar stuff, and and, I, and then I look at the guy and go, "Well, you know, like one guy in the room will be like, you know, well, I don't really listen to rock. I, I listen to more R and B." And I go, "Think about what you just said. R and B. What does that stand for? That stands for rhythm and blues. R and B today would never have been around had there not been a Muddy Waters. Period. If there was never an Aretha Franklin." There would be none of these R and B female vocalists out there that are claiming to be R and B artists. It doesn't doesn't happen that way. So you got to give respect where respect is due. And so that was that is where it came from, you know. And rock. I mean, ACDC even talks about how when they were writing songs, they took blues riffs and sped them up. That's how ACDC was born. (laughs) It was like, you know, so you can't. You, you can't do away with it. And those that are going to fight it are only going to find a demise in their own comments. It's always going to be here. I was shocked when, when I was putting all these songs up to BMI and then I was going through, um, our, uh, our distributor Smith, uh, Smith music out of Fort Worth. What was uploading the music, uh, for the single right back up when we, when I was putting that on there, I was going into, you go into all your tags and stuff. You, could, you know, it's really cool how you can put all your musicians on there. They get points on the credits for being the bass player, the drummer, the sax player, the keys, et cetera. I thought that was really neat. But then I got to like the genres. And as I pulled up the genres, I was just trying to find rock and roll. And you said it a minute ago, people trying to claim like new rock, this is new rock, or this is rock and roll at, you know, modern. Oh my gosh. The whole list was just like, well, what do you want to be? Metal rock, power rock, new rock, modern rock, <laughs> 2000s rock. I was just like, what? Where, where did we cross a bridge that rock and roll had to be labeled? It was already called rock and roll. Leave it that way. Right. The times changed, not the name. Well, I always you know? laugh, too, whenever I see the nominations for the Grammys. And first of all, I don't want to put too much stock in the Grammys because rock and roll has never needed the Grammys. But 
What's Correct. funny good, is good quote, good call, man. That's awesome. That's it, awesome. It's yeah. never needed. Yeah. And and what always makes me laugh is when I see the rock nominees and I'm like, none of these are rock acts. <laughs> it's like, why yeah. are we trying to redefine what it is? It, it's not. I mean, none of this is rock. And of course, you know, when when rock and roll is is so many things to so many people, and when someone tells me that it's not connecting with the youth, I, I get that. I understand that. But I also see my 16-year-old son and his friends listening to rock and roll, rock music. And I think it's yeah. it's coming back. And I've, I, I sound like a broken record because I say this a lot. But yeah. when you have young people sitting at home for a year, not socializing, not living their life like they want to, not having fun, what happens? It builds up angst. It builds up aggravation. And they need an outlet. And they want to stop listening to the pop music or the stuff that they're listening to. And they want something that will connect with that anger and that angst. And what genre of music does that better than any other genre? And that's rock music. And that's why I think with all the new bands that are coming and and being a part and you being a part of new rock music and new music and, and where it's going, it's going to be everywhere where, you know, it's kind of like the 80s, right? The 80s rock scene. Everyone's called hair metal, glam metal, whatever. What, whatever it was, however you want to define it, it was everywhere, in large part because MTV. And sure. people didn't have a choice to, 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 to just do away with it. They had to accept it. That's why the Grammys started having the Rock Award in the 80s because a lot of young, they wanted to bring in young people for advertisers. That's why it was... That's why it was done that way. And now the Rock Awards are not even on tele- television anymore, which who cares? But, yeah, you know, no. whatever. but, yeah. but now it's very similar because there's so many new rock acts that are coming up that it's going to be everywhere. You're not going to be able to get away from it. And Well, that, and that is some, that's a good point because, okay, so earlier I was saying, like, the, the bands here in Texas, um, there are good, solid rock bands right here fort worth there's a pl- there's tons there's tons all over the state but i just think about the city i live in and i can name off a hundred of them that are stout just st- good singer good writer good like all the way around a good band good rock and roll band and the problem we're having that we're facing is that you have <clears throat> this this style of music that's coming in that is not really coming in it's always been here it's just that we're there's more bands bringing it back to life because it lay dormant for so long and the stations the radio stations they don't know what to do so you have like okay for instance last night i went i had to go to the um the texas regional um music awards uh radio music awards texas regional radio music awards and when I went in there, you know, I, I picked up the, they have a little booklet. It's like a banquet deal. You know, you sit down at the table and I open up the booklet and you see all the, you know, who's up for awards and this, that. And as I'm looking through it, like, I'm like, first of all, when it came down to the artists, I had no clue who most of these folks were on there. You know, um, I couldn't tell you anything about their music. Now in the room, you had guys like William Clark Green and uh, Aaron Watson and, uh, you know, just a bunch of the big Texas country guys. So Americana radio in Texas 25 years ago was playing nothing but blues and rock and roll. Wasn't playing classic gold country music. It was playing rock and roll. And you would listen to those stations because you could hear you can like the whole list, you know, like you can hear everybody you want to hear. You want to hear ZZ Top? That's the station you listen to. Or you listen to Z Rock, you know, like you listen to a classic rock station. But this this station stayed true to just the Americana artist. And then it switched over to Texas Country. Like back in 2000, you know, around 99, 2000, it started, it switched, started switching over. So these stations are still Americana, but they're labeled as a Texas Country music station which 
I get the whole, you know, uh, Nashville versus Texas and the country music scene. And, and I, yeah, I don't care. I see all that. I understand how it's vastly different. I mean, it's huge. There's a huge difference. But when you go see, oh, I don't know, let's say Randy Rogers, for instance. When you go see Randy Rogers play a show, what you're hearing on the radio versus what you're about to go see in concert is two totally different things. You're hearing a country guy on the radio, then you're going to go see a rock show. And he's going to play that single as country as it gets on the, uh, from the radio live. He's going to play it like that. But then you're going to hear him do it, do other songs. And it's just like a rock show. The amps are cranked and the distortions up, you know, and it's not Southern blues rock or anything like that. It's just, it's just a rock show. Um, but you can't get them to do that on the radio. And so, even though in the radio world, it's it's hard to compete these days. I mean, the disc jockey is like is going away. Where podcasts are going up, which is great because everyone has it right at their fingertips. You know, I have my playlist on my Spotify, and I'm going to listen to that while I'm driving down the road. I'm not going to turn it on the radio and listen anymore. But if I knew that there was a station that was local that was supporting rock bands in the Americana genre or rock genre, whatever from Texas or just locals in general stuff that I'm not going to find per se on Spotify or if I want to be brought to new music, that's what I would go and, and listen to, you know? And so there's not really a place for it, but you get out of Texas and then you find out the places like Wyoming or Montana or Iowa. Uh, God, I mean, Kentucky, Indiana, Pennsylvania, uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, very uh, big out in the East. They're craving good rock bands. And I just, you know, I wish it was more down here, but I guess time is going to tell. But it's good to know that you're up in Chicago and you guys, you're feeling the same way. Because it's like, okay, so maybe my gut's right. Like rock, rock is finally starting to come back. <laughs> you know, thank, thank God. You know, so... It's a it's a it's a different deal, man. It's vastly different. Yeah, I, I've I've really looked at it differently. I think a year to a year and a half ago, I was more about oh man, you know, is is you know rock and roll going to be able to come back and and you know will it be you know relevant again? And there's so much young bands you know out there now. I'm like, it's almost inevitable that it's going to come back. It it, it will. It has because, to. There's too much good music and there's too much talent out there in these new bands and artists to have it not come back. And, you know, and, and, and you can't tell me, you know, advertisers will determine, you know, this and that will determine. We, they've said that before. And whenever there's a big wave, whether it was like in the 70s or whether it was in the 80s and about to in, in the present day, they'll have no choice. They'll have no choice. And... Everyone has got new music coming out this year. Every, I mean, I sit and I talk with my friends or with my son, and we start going through the list of people who are coming out with new albums this year. And we're just like, oh, my God. You know, like, you're not going to be able to get away from it. So I think it's, it's, it's just a matter of time. You know, it's, it's, it's going to happen. There's too much good music coming. There's too many new bands that are out there for it just to just – die or, or not do anything with it right no I, I totally agree with you I think that I think we're watching it starting to evolve you know uh, and, and and I see younger guys I see younger I see guys that are in their you know 19 20 21 22 that are playing it and I hear it and go oh man that is so good like you know you go out to some of these rock clubs that are around Fort Worth there's not many so it's a real tight knit group, but Jesus Christ, these kids are good. Yeah. Like they're really good. And I'm just like, why is nobody listening to this? Uh, here's a perfect example. Last summer during COVID, there's a, there's, there's a kind of a Texas best kept secret and they did it full on. Uh, you sign a waiver to come in because it's a, it's a, it's like a mud rally fest and it's called rednecks with paychecks. And when you say that name, people think immediately like what in the hell is that? You know? And 
Is this all just a bunch of rednecks? Yes, it is. It's a bunch of rednecks. You can look it up on YouTube. Uh, rednecks with paychecks. In fact, they just did their their spring uh, festival this past week, and it is a. Um, I don't know. I don't know how to describe this. It is ten, fifteen thousand people that have monster trucks, all sorts of ATVs and stuff. And they do this big, it's in St. Joe, Texas. And they do this gigantic mud rally. They have races going. They've got just mud bogging, uh, tractor pools. Uh, they got this downhill thing they do with like Barbie cars, you know, like the kids cars. And it's who can make it all the way down the hill, you know, um, half naked women, women running all over the place. It's crazy. Now, for 15 years, they've been doing this. And every year, they do it twice a year. They do one in the fall. They do one in the spring. Or one in the spring, one in the fall. And um, so they've always had country acts play it. Always been country. And I have always said, this is a rock event. These people are out there just going nuts lawlessly just drinking their ass off having a blast like this is something that you want to put a rock band in this situation and the owners it's not that they didn't want to do it i think they were a little intimidated to do that because maybe it would start too many fights or you know something because people are just like on a bender but they put texas country bands in there forever for 15 years and so we finally got asked last summer after playing a private party for all the owners of RWP, we played a private party and they said, uh, the owner there, Derek said, uh, one of the owners, he was like, do you want to play right next to paychecks this year? And I said, absolutely. Yes. And so they put us on with two other bands. Um, we were opening and then it was Cody West and Stony the Root. Now Stony is widely known huge name in Texas sells out Billy Bob's when he plays 9,000 people. Like he's, you know, he's, he's up there. Um, Cody West has a huge name as well. And he had just released a new record and it was borderline like a nineties grunge record. I was, I was like, in what world is this country? You know, like how is that getting played? Cause it literally sounds like a, a grungy, I don't know, goo dolls kind of sound and um and so they put us on before them well when we found out that we were going to do that we didn't hold back and we promoted we did video after video after video talking about it pushed the hell out of it for two months and then got out there and did the show and we set our in fact i got the call today that we're still holding the record but we set the record for the largest crowd ever in rwp history for a band and those you would have thought we were at Vans Warped Tour there were people jumping on the stage crowd surfing everybody was into it there was no fights there was no mosh pits we're not that kind of band it was just good clean rock and roll concert and they held for the entire time we played and then after we got done Cody came on and the energy level went down and the crowd dispersed, and then Stony got all the way down to like fifteen hundred people. There was, there was a little over like seven, like six thousand, like six thousand and a half, somewhere around there, people uh, when we were when we kicked off, and when we ended, there was probably eight thousand at the end. You know, it was it was nuts. And usually out there, an event like that, they. Uh, that they don't want to come see the band. Like a few of them will come see the band, but they're more interested in, and they, they got this thing they call Titty Row, and it's where all the, you know, big trucks and everything are driving down, all the girls are standing up there. It's kind of like Mardi Gras in a sense. People got beads and they're throwing them and this and that. So more people go to that uh, than go watch the bands. And so what that told us, though, was that people are craving it. People are craving a good rock band to come out of the South. And we just hope what we're doing can fuel that, you know, maybe we're not the answer, but 
I'm not going to stop until I either can't play guitar anymore or I lose my vocals from singing. We'll see which one goes first. But uh, I just feel like, I feel like we're on the cusp. I feel like it's right there, you know, and what the reaction we're getting from the single is, is very nice. You know, it's very nice to know that around the world, people are, are, are listening to this and, and loving it. So, I mean, I, it makes me really excited. Well, let's get into that because that's why you're on the show, right? Is to talk about your music yeah. and talk about what you're doing. And, you know, you come from Texas. Obviously, we've been talking about that. What has been the process leading up to this point for you in the new music? So, uh, went through quite a, you know, like I said before, dabbling in all sorts of stuff. And I have like two, two sides of this thing. Like I have an acoustic show I do that I'm basically doing all much, you know, rock and roll on an acoustic. But I figured out back in like 2001, 2002, line six made a, pedal called the line six bl4 and it had a loop station on it where you could do like 14 second loops and you could record it live and then you could play it and i was like oh my god well if i can get a couple measures in here i can play lead over this during an acoustic show and so a lot of people know me for that because now now just in the last two years you've seen it really explode where you got guys that are beatboxing and they're using loop stations and you got guys on guitars ed sharon was a big player in this but i've been doing it for well 20 years almost you know um and so with that being said it opened up a lot of doors in the acoustic world thinking you know because i have fans for that people like that more than they like the rock show like, yeah, I really like you on acoustic when it's just you and a guitar. And that's cool. There's nothing wrong with that. Because I'm still playing the same songs that I'd be playing in the rock show. You just get another version of it. And so, you know, I had my metal days and, you know, we had a band called SoCo for a long time. Um, God, I think you could still down that record. It was spelled S-O-C-O-E and we were all on drugs. <laughs> it's a very interesting record um, but we did that for a bit and then I had Big Casino um, which was great and I think Big Casino was the part where it really started to finally mold together and that that was a big band you know that was uh, I had drummer and bass player keys uh, another guitar player um, me on guitar and singing. It was just five piece band. Sometimes we have a horn section with us. And that was really like the songs were cool, but I felt like at the end of it, we were just putting way too much into it. We were, we were overthinking it. And which lead, lead, leads to this now. And uh, I started playing in, uh, with another guy named Johnny Cooper and uh, a band called Sidecar. And he does a bunch of loop station stuff. And so, we put the two together and he's got more of a real high pitched voice. And he was real big in the Texas country scene for a long time. When he was younger, he was like selling Billy Bob's out at like 14 years old. And he, you know, matured and grew up and said, I, I don't want to play country. I, I like rhythm and blues. I like pop. I'm, this is what I want to do. And so he's more of the pop side of it. And I'm more of the rock side of it. So we put the two together and, and created sidecar and, uh, we released an EP about four years ago, and uh, you can find it on my Spotify. And, and uh, so we've been doing that for a while, and then I finally decided, you know, I, I, I want to. I, I, something kept telling me in the back of the head, like you got to play rock and roll, you got to play rock and roll. And I'm going to give him praise. So I had a show booked with Johnny to go out to San Angelo and play this this venue out there, and uh, Johnny got sick and couldn't make it. And so I didn't want to go out there by myself. I just, it's a long drive. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to call my old drummer up. And Mike called Michael Fitch. And uh, he hadn't been playing for a while because he was kind of going through some stuff. Brandon Jenkins, who he had been playing for for a while, good friend of both of ours, had passed away. And uh, it kind of sent him down a dark road. And so 
it had been a year since that happened. So I called Fitz and said, Hey man, do you want to come do an acoustic show with me tonight? I'm, I'm going to be playing out in San Angelo. I got us a hotel, blah, blah. We'll just, we'll just crash out there and come back tomorrow. And he's like, you know what? Yeah, man, I do. And so him and I were kind of just BSing on the way out there. And he turned towards me in the truck and he goes, man, can I speak freely when we're pretty good friends? And I go, yeah. yeah. And he goes, he goes, stop, stop what you're doing, man. You need to be playing rock and roll. You need a good Texas solid three piece rock band. Don't he goes, forget about the keys. Forget about the, the organ and forget about all the horn section. And all that. Just do you. I'll be your backbone. Let's get a solid bass player in here and let's just do this. And so it was like the thing I needed to hear. It's like that, you know, when you have it in your brain and you keep telling yourself that, but you just, you need, you organically need somebody else to tell you that you don't need to search for it. Just it's somebody to say it. And he said it. And, uh, I said, man, I am so glad to hear you say that. I, you know, yes, let's, let's do this. And I remember that night we played, we had such a great time. But I was, I couldn't sleep at the hotel that night because I was so excited to just get home and start finding a bass player and get this ball rolling. And then that's when we brought in Ruben Salazar, who was playing for uh, Austin Alsup, who was, he's been playing for Austin forever. Alsup was actually on The Voice and all this stuff here recently, but he's been around forever. We've known each other forever. And I've known Ruben for a long time, we just never played with each other. And I called Chris Watson, another great player from here in Fort Worth. And I asked him, I was like, man, do you know any good solid bass players that you're interested in playing some rock and roll? And he goes, man, Ruben Salazar is solid. You might want to give him a, give him a shot. So I did. So we put the band together and, and uh, we didn't know what the hell we were doing. I introduced about 20 songs to everybody. Fitch kind of knew them already and Ruben learned them. And then we just started tightening up so fast and so quick that I think all of us just realized, man, we all, not only did I need to be doing this, but all three of us needed to be doing this, you know, a long time ago. We should have done this a long time ago. And I say that, but maybe there's no time like the present, you know, maybe it, maybe it's, maybe the cards fell when they should have fallen. Like right at this time is when it, when it, when it's time to do this, you know? And so, uh, at the time, a couple of years ago, late Autry and I had started building a recording studio at my house. And the idea was to build a recording studio for musicians, like as for, by musicians, for musicians, everything that you could think that a musician would want. We wanted to make sure that we had in a home setting so that you could be comfortable and you weren't getting charged out the ass for show, you know, for recording, that kind of stuff. And um, so we made kind of an Airbnb thing about it. And my wife was very cool about it. Well, when COVID happened, you know, everything came to a halt. This time last year, I was getting phone calls that still canceling shows. And we had lost at that point, like 197 shows for the year. And, um, we were just kind of dead in the water. Well, instead of sitting there sulking about it, we swam with the river instead of against it and started working on this record. Here we have this recording studio. We have everything in our fingertips. We don't have to buy up time. Let's just get in here and start getting it done. And so we started, started recording songs. And at the end of the recording of them, we would mix them down. And if we weren't really happy with them, we just put them in a folder and moved on to the next one. And I think we recorded, I think on the list in here... I think it's 27, 28 songs total and ended up with 10 solid songs. And then seven of those is making it to the new record. And then we're taking five of the big casino tunes and putting those on the record. So, uh, and then we've got three acoustic songs that are going to go in there. So it'll be 15 songs total coming out in May. Um, and then we started picking singles and uh, we released Dance With Me uh, about five or six months ago. And then we released Break My Heart right after that, which is one of my favorites. Not a favorite of the crowd. It's just one of my favorites. Good tune. Just straightforward as it gets. 
And uh, we pulled Renee Azuna in to play sax on this, who's an accomplished sax player, 58 years old, incredible dude. In fact, when we pulled him into the studio to play sax on this, uh, I asked him, I was kind of nervous because he's really well known around here. And I was like, hey, Renee, um, I've heard a lot about you. I, I know I've seen you play a hundred times. I'd love for you to come play some sax on a couple of these tunes. You know, uh, would you be interested? He goes, yeah, man, I'm totally interested. I said, um, you know, what's it going to cost me? I, I thought for sure he was going to be like a five, $600 player for sure. Like without a doubt. And he could have said the more perfect thing to me. He goes, <laughs> he goes, give me a couple hundred bucks and have a, uh, have, just have me a warm shot of whiskey when I get there. I go, what kind of whiskey? And he goes, Jameson. I was like, you got it. And, uh, he came in and he knocked right back out or uh, right back up. He knocked that, uh, knocked that out in two takes and he knocked break my heart in one take. And, um, I was just, you know, all of this just started coming together and the, you know, and that, the fun part was recording it. And then the even better part was getting to sit down and not have to be standing over a producer's shoulder and not have to be standing over an engineer, but to be sitting in the room by myself in the comfort of my own home and going, this is the first time I get to produce engineer my own record, you know, after all these years, after all these albums. So I sat down and mixed and mastered this record and just, then I put it away. Like I right back up, got recorded back. Uh, so that would have been July. And I, did it, listen to it, mixed it, mastered it, had the finals, everything done for it. And then I didn't listen to it until November. And was like, you know what? I'm just not going to listen to it. I don't, I don't want to hear it. I want to get it as far out of my head as possible off the record. And we'll still play it live, but you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to listen to that recording. And then in, it was like the night before Thanksgiving and I had some family in and I, I listened to it. And I was like, holy shit. God, that is so good. <laughs> and then that's when I was like, okay, here's the songs we're releasing. And so, uh, Right Back Up is a song that lyrically is written about the girl at the bar that is the player. She picks the dude up, but she takes him for everything she's worth, takes him out, they get hot and heavy. She steals his car, leaves him high and dry there on the side of the road, goes on to the next bar to find the next victim. But then that dude that she took advantage of shows up at the bar, finds his car, goes inside and thinks to himself, you know what? It was worth it. I'll, I'll let her steal the car again. Kind of deal. And, um, and how it just, I, I was, she brought me all the way down to the ground and then she picks me right back up. Kind of deal. And, uh, it just made for a good, good, like good lyrics. We were all joking about it when we were writing the lyrics. And then, uh, then I was like, we should make it really aggressive. You know, tell me, baby, like, just come on, like just real, get it right in from the vote. Like, no, no guitar intro. Let's just go straight vocal into the song. And, uh, and then once we, we got in there and started playing it and started recording it, it all started coming alive. And then, uh, at the end of it, you know, we all, we all agreed like, man, that tune is just, it sounds good and it shows that's that's the sh that's the song man i mean people just start dancing and when you people that don't even know how to dance are dancing when you write music <laughs> when you write when you're writing music where do you find your inspiration is it through observation is it through experience uh you know someone that you know is experiencing something how do you how do you find your motivation to write a song there was a really dark time there for a, for a long time. Um, and when I was a kid, my, my dad, who I looked up, he was my hero. And of course, he taught me how to play guitar. And he was always the guy that, you know, he did, didn't matter how bad I was doing on the guitar, he'd come in and he'd tell me, you know, yeah, you've almost got it. Let's, let's try this, you know. And then I'd slide my finger down one fret. I'd be, oh, there it is, you know. And so he was always a good inspiration. So was my mom. Um, but my dad ended up getting murdered when I was 16. And so for many years there, I had a very dark uh, time in my life. And so it, it definitely affected my writing. Now they don't, they don't tell you when you become a writer that, you know, 
you're you're going to end up having to go through some shit to end up, you know, excuse my French, but uh, end up going through that uh, to 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 write. You know, you're going to end up going through something. And a lot of people tell you like, oh, you, you know, you got to you got to find love and you got to lose it in order to you know sing the blues. Well, that's, that's not always true. You know, like I had I had plenty of love in my life, but I'd never really been affected by that part of it. It was losing a family member that, you know, my dad, like, I mean, good God, one day we're eating dinner and the next day he's dead. You know, it was like, there was no, there was no goodbye. There was no nothing. So that, that impacted my life tremendously when it came to writing and it led to a slew of things, some horrible, some great, but some life lessons to be learned that made me uh, at the time a terrible person and on the back end of it, a much better person and a, a better man for it and learn a lot from that. So when I write now, I think of things like that I see. So like, you know, whether that be in a movie or if I see, you know, so I hear one of my friends tell me, you know, what he's going through. Uh, in fact, we just wrote a song called uh, uh, Before the Breakdown. And it'll be on this next record. And um, it, it's it, a, a buddy of mine who's been touring uh, as a solo artist in a truck. I mean, he literally has a piece of crap Ford F-150. He throws his guitar and PA in a, in a camper shell in the back of it. has a little bed next door to you know that in the bed of the truck. And he's camps in it and he goes and plays these dive bars all over the country as much as he can. And then he comes back home and he's got an old lady there and it was his girlfriend and uh, they were living together. Well, he came in off the road and he was noticing that she was just kind of going downhill and, um, and he couldn't figure out what was going on. She was hiding it from him and it was basically just drugs and alcohol. But then he he had like a slew of shows canceled during COVID. So he came home early and he was going to surprise her and he got home. He found her in bed with another guy and then realized that he loved her so much that he was willing to try and make things work. And she wasn't, she was ready to go. She just didn't know how to leave. And, um, and so he finally, uh, left her and took all the stuff and moved out. And so we wrote a song about that. And I use that story because it's so, it's so impacting. It's like, man, this guy's out busting his ass working and comes home and she's just not a care in the world, just sleeping with some dude, you know? And that's, that's a story that all too much we hear about, whether it's a guy in music or doctors or lawyers or a guy in the oil field or a dude that works for the train, you know, like it's just, is it tough it's for you? That, is it tough for you tapping into stuff like that? You know, where you've got to observe it, feel it, write it, and then ultimately perform it. Um, it's t- the song. I have a song on my last record called "Weed for the Whiskey," and that that one hits home pretty hard. Now I'm still with my wife, but at the time we were really going through some like this is before we were married we were going through some like really bad issues and there was a point where um you know like i i, I woke up one morning i came out and there was a note on the table that said goodbye you know and i could tell that she had like cried while she was doing it because there was like tear stains on the on the page and that song along with another song called breathe is still to this day hard for me to sing it's hard because you you have to put yourself in that place in order to sing that song to get it to translate to people correctly i could just get up there and sing it blindly with no emotion or i could get up there and sing it with the emotion and i try and put myself in it as I'm on stage, when I see that song's coming on the set list, I start thinking through my head and replaying that moment of waking up and finding that note and realizing that feeling that comes over you and, and getting that all back again to play that song so that people understand. I didn't just, you know, just didn't think this up and run. Like I, I lived through this, you know, and it's, uh, 
it was a horrible, horrible time. It's, it's a feeling that, you know, nobody, everybody's going to have to feel lost at some point, but it's a feeling that we don't ever want to feel, you know, it's that it, where it just rushes completely all the way through you and you panic and you're stressed and your stomach turns and nuts. You know, you always wonder why when people break up, one of them loses a ton of weight. Well, it's because they're not eating. That's all they could think about. You know, they're not, they're not doing anything. They're just shutting down. And that's, and that's kind of the, you know, I remember that night I, I, I sat in a room in front of a fireplace and was playing my guitar and I was just banging out every song I knew. And I was just taking it out on the guitar. And instead of, uh, you know, like I didn't smoke weed at the time or now, but I did back then. And I, instead of, instead of smoking, I grabbed a bottle of whiskey and I literally just started chugging. Like I was in the movie, I guess, what, what movie was that? Where you had the college shirt on? What was that? Uh, Animal House? <laughs> just chugging a bottle of Jack Daniels. That's what I was doing. And, and I remember sitting there and like, I put the bottle down on the floor and I, I it kind of tilted over and spilt. And I was like, trying to figure out what do I do now? And there's a line in the song where I just spun the bottle and I was like, all right, man, you tell me. And I just spun it. And it was like, go North. I was like, I'm going North. And that's what I did the next day, man. And, you know, went up to Oklahoma and Kansas and started just kind of getting away from everything. And so, yeah, when I write, a lot of it does come from stuff that I've been through um, and seen and been a part of. Um, Take Me Back to Texas is a is a really one of my favorite songs, but is, you know, I don't know how to say it. I love Texas to death. I love living here. I've grown up here. But I've been around the world, and there are some beautiful places that I'd much rather live. But at the end of life, when it comes, if I die before I get back to Texas, throw me in a box and just find a plot and bury me or throw my ashes on somewhere in Texas, you know, and that's what that song is talking about. You know, uh, uh, if I die before my time, send me in a pine box, send me down on a night train, that kind of deal, you know, get, get me, get me home as quick as possible. You know, I don't care where it's at in Texas, as long as it's in Texas. And, uh, so in the, in the writing part of it, the lyrics and the storyline. Yeah. But at the same time, as a lead player, I try and have that emotion come through in the leads that I play. You know, Take Me Back to Texas is very aggressive. So the lead in that song is extremely aggressive. Very fast, a lot of finger work. But in Breathe, uh, the way we're, we're re-recording that song, because the way we did it on the on the last record is, was produced by another producer that will remain nameless, but he... Uh, it was not the way it should have been done. And the way we do it live now, I mean, people just lose their mind. And that's because there is a really soulful, well-written lead part in the middle of that song that if the lyrics and the chorus line is not the hook, then this thing definitely is. It's like having three hooks in one song. And uh, But I try and translate that into the lead playing as much as possible. And that, and that just, there again, comes from the blues because that's what the blues was about i mean they could trans you know bb king couldn't play and sing at the same time but he could get his point across in two different ways you know that and 58 children (laughs) (laughs) when you when you think about the music that you have and you know the music that you're releasing here and you think about the current landscape here in 2021 what are your thoughts on the future? Like, where do you see you going with this this year? I think it's going to be overseas. I think we got a lot of work to do to get things built up in the States, just judging from, you know, like with Paige Gregory working with her and what we're dealing with in, in the, uh, the marketing aspect of trying to get the music out there and who's accepting it and who's not. But overseas, we're getting a huge response, even in Canada, which is mind blowing. But in Canada, we're getting a huge response. So, you know, I go back to like, you know, thinking about like, uh, I, in fact, I called him and talked to him a little bit, but uh, Joe Bonamassa, like him and I talked about it and like he had, he had kind of the same thing. 
Shannon's been around forever, but he, on his last record, started doing kind of more blues rock versus traditional blues. And he started, uh, God, what was that song? Mountain Climbing, he had come out. Oh, my God, what a song. And But he was struggling with it over here. He's always struggled with it over here. But in the U.K. or go to Australia, oh, my God, that dude could sell out 30,000 people, you know. And that's because they they love it over there. And I think that's what's going to end up happening probably in the next year. As long as things continue to open and everybody's safe and everything's going good. I see touring overseas. Um, I see going to Japan, Australia, China, um, uh, the UK in general. I mean, I think that's where I think that's where we're going to be. I think the East market of the United States is, is, is doing really well. So I think if we do tour in the States, uh, at this point, one of the teams is probably going to be like, uh, probably Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, you know, East Tennessee, uh, Pennsylvania, uh, Maine, New York, um, even like Florida, you know, even though it's more further south. But um, I remember telling my manager the other day, I was like, man, I don't, I don't care what I got to do. We got to get to Chicago. Got to find a place in Chicago to play because I just always wanted to do that. You know, it's like a bucket list thing. I don't care if I play for the wall. There are plenty of places to play bathroom. in Chicago. There's, there's plenty of places, you know, at least yeah, there was. I just, I just I couldn't name one venue. I couldn't name one venue in Chicago. I have no idea. I just know that I've met a lot of artists that have come down here and played, uh, you know, uh, at the, the Keys Lounge, the, the, the blues jam that happens down there. I've met a few artists from Chicago. And, damn, Chicago blues just has this style. It's just, it's got its own thing. You just know. Once you know, you know. And it's there. And you just hear it and go, yeah, that dude's from Chicago. <laughs> I mean, you could be, you could do it blind, you know. It's kind of like it's kind of like when you know when you know you're listening to Stevie Ray Vaughan. You're like, oh yeah, yeah, that's two and a half step down, and he's rocking that G string, you know. Like that's Stevie Ray. Look in the plane at look in the plane at this place called Shubas. Shubas? How do you spell that? It's S C H U B A S. Shubas. Shubas. Shubas, S C H U B A S. Shubas. It's a very small room. It's a very small room, but it's a cool place. All right, I'm in for sure. We got a a lead up of some stuff in Ohio to go up and do some acoustic shows. So route that right the hell in if if they're going to let us in. Yeah, it's a cool place. So very cool. Yeah, but. Man, I just see that I see people taking to this, and I'm really excited uh, that people are taking to this song, man. And uh, I, I just hope that uh, you know people follow the Spotify and keep following what we're doing because we're not going to stop. Uh, I can't stop. I would go nuts. I tried. I tried to walk away from it. I tried to walk away from music altogether. I've done that once, and it does not work. Uh, release a song. Uh, later part of last year called Into the Dark, an acoustic song. And it's more lyric-based than it is music-based. And I uh, did a music video for it, etc. And uh, listen to that song, and you'll see what I'm saying. A lot of the... Uh, there's a line in there where I say, I've, uh, I've met my heroes, but all my heroes have let me down. You know? And, um, and, and there's a lot of truth to that, but that was also why I walked away from music. You know, I thought I gotta, I gotta get out of here. Maybe this is what's just tearing me down. And it wasn't. It was a thing that was lifting me up. It was everything else that was tearing me down. Yeah. And so we're not going anywhere. We're going to keep playing rock and roll. And this is this is one rock record out of I hope a hundred. You know, we're just going to keep writing and keep doing. Well, we got to stay in touch, man. Um, you know, I I, uh, I I look forward to more music from you. I know the single is out what april 9th um april 9th yep yeah yeah and then for all, we, for all those we, that are listening may we yeah we don't have a may date yet ex- for the album but we'll be we'll have that in the next two weeks awesome awesome so. 
Well, Justin, it's been a blast, man. We could have talked for hours, and we'll definitely have you back yeah. on the podcast here. So, no, it was a great chat with you. Awesome, Jay. Thank you so much, buddy. And we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, Justin. Everybody, that's Justin Ross. Look for the new single right back up out April 9th. Album forthcoming. Check it out. It's a very, uh, very cool style of music. I'll be playing the the the, the song once we uh, once we release this uh, probably next week, the first week of April. So uh, check that out when it does come out. That's Justin Ross. I'm Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. Stay strong. Stay healthy. Stay safe. And we will talk again soon. Thank you. Here I stand. Staring out into the night Holding on to memories That have slowly passed me by Taking my chances with this Oh, collide. Now I step out on a road that I've tried to leave behind. So I'll be I don't know where I'll find so Here I go There I go Into the dark Twenty-five years Of this guitar Always let me down It's NFL draft season And that means it's time to start thinking about Fantasy football FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.